Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're currently traveling here in the Philippines. We're currently now in the northern Philippines in a city called San Fernando. And unfortunately, the internet quality isn't very good here, so I got to work at an internet cafe. So you might hear a little bit of background noise because they're all these teenagers and they're super excited about the latest video game. I believe it's called Dada 2. Uh, I haven't played it yet. But it looks very interesting, so I'm going to learn about what they're playing. But anyway, there might be a little background noise. So one of the things I love to do on my show is I love interviewing fellow dads, fellow entrepreneurs, fellow world travelers. And I have amazing dad, amazing dad blogger, fellow entrepreneur, and he loves to travel. His name is Joel Gretzik. He is the founder of Daddy's Grounded. Yes, that's right, Daddy's Grounded. Yep. And he's also the founder of Cheap360 Tours and BreweryFinder.org. And he's also a passionate traveler, both domestically and globally. Uh, dad of two, one-year-old and a five-year-old. So super excited to get Joel here on the show. Joel, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on, Joel. Uh, so one of the things we like to do is to get to know people's stories. Not just the bio, but we want to know a little bit of your background and uh, you know your journey to get to where you are. So why don't you trace it back in terms of your family, your business, a little bit of your travels. Let's hear a little bit of your story. Sure. Uh, as a kid, I always liked computers. And my dad tends to tell the story that one day when I was in fifth grade, he came home and found that our brand new computer that he purchased with that the family got was in a hundred pieces all out and very methodically put out on the floor in the living room. And he knew at that moment he had a choice either to give me some time and a warning that I needed to put it together and have everything working or just kind of blow up and, you know, uh, send me to my room right away. So he, he took a deep breath and said, Joel, you've got an hour. And if the computer's not put back together and working fine, you know, we're going to have a conversation. I put it together. It worked fine. And um, I've kind of stayed with tech ever since. Um, my, my wife and I met, uh, we've been married 12 years. We met probably about 15 years ago. And both uh, through a lot of volunteering and international um, trips we did through a nonprofit that we were a part of at the time, uh, became friends and eventually fell in love, got married. Uh, she's a flight attendant. And so the two of us together have uh, traveled the world. Uh, we've got two beautiful kids, two boys, a one-year-old and a five-year-old. And through a lot of experiences from going to a movie premiere in Australia uh, to uh, vacations in, in Europe, volunteering, like I said, with nonprofit stuff in India and other places. Uh, we've had some real adventures. And the fact that I like tech has kind of helped me go into the 360 photography a couple of years ago for Google Maps and both independently. Uh, and then uh, a love of craft beer kind of helped me out with starting the brewerryfinder.org and, and making a directory that's really helpful for someone like myself that includes everything and not just a members only kind of a deal. There's so much we can talk about, uh, you know, <laughs> your, uh, uh, your family, your travels, and of course the business side of things. So let's uh, get to it. Uh, so sure. you mentioned uh, the whole area of volunteering and travel and you said even you met your wife. Uh, on some nonprofit trips overseas. And that's actually a big theme of a show. Uh, we love to teach people not just how to make money and travel, but also how to make a difference and travel. And of course, volunteering, giving back, impacting is one of the ways. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, you, uh, what, what organization are you all 
were you and are you volunteering with and how has that been in terms of the experiences? I, I, I worked at a, a nonprofit back in the late 90s called Fuel International. They did a lot of uh, humanitarian aid work. And so with them, we went to, uh, I've been to India three times. Once I went with my wife doing medical clinics, um, that sort of thing. I was in El Salvador doing some uh, earthquake relief stuff, disaster relief stuff down there uh, a few years back. Um, and I did that with them for about eight and a half years or so. A lot of it was volunteer, uh, raising funds to support myself that way. Uh, and then I switched from that. I spent the last 12 years up until recently working with the church uh, in the western suburbs of Chicago. Uh, they did a lot of work with uh, Habitat for Humanity uh, down in Guatemala and then some local work trips in the, in the States, in uh, Tennessee, Appalachia, doing some food drives, construction work, that sort of thing. And I mean, it's really kind of in my DNA to be able to uh, do what I can to help out others. Um, and it's something my wife loves too. She spent the last five-ish years since we've had our, our first, our son, Wesley, uh, baby wearing. And we recently started a nonprofit uh, to help educate a lot of people here in the Chicagoland area, Chicagoland baby wears, um, to be able to properly wear kids and, you know, be able to have hands free. If you've got a little, a little baby, it's nice to wear them, let them take a nap or whatever while you're doing work on the computer, the dishes or whatever you need to do. Baby wearing is amazing. Um, you know, we've yeah. been traveling for the last uh, couple of years and my wife has been amazing over the, the first year of her son's life because she baby wears the baby through Machu Picchu, through the Amazon, through nice. Af African Safari. She's done it uh, in Dubai. Like, it's been amazing. And uh, I try it a few times, but I'm just not good at the, the nursing side, you know? <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> You know, with, with the moms when they're with their baby wearing, they can just quick, quickly nurse the baby. Then, right. you know, it's just uh, easy access, right? So uh, it's been amazing. So I'm a big advocate and my wife's a big advocate of the whole baby wearing. So it's amazing you've created a whole nonprofit around it. So uh, besides all this travel, so you're doing the travel, you have your own nonprofit, uh, you also have the two kids, and also you're like a serial entrepreneur. You don't just have yeah. one. Business, but you got your dad blog, you got your uh, brewery business, and you got your 360 um, uh, tours. Tell us first thing about the dad blog. You know, I gotta ask fellow dad bloggers about their origin yeah. story. When did you start the blog? What are the major themes and topics you're writing about on Daddy's Grounded? Yeah, so I started. Uh, I started Daddy's Grounded in uh, October of 2012, uh, right after my wife had a miscarriage. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I I felt uh, at that point it, there weren't. I don't think there still are a lot of stories about dads, about men, and processing their feelings when it comes to miscarriages. Um, we w w at the time, I mean, we almost you know lost a whole vision of what our future would be. Uh, whoever this potential child might have been, or how they would have affected our lives. Uh, you know, it, it didn't happen. And so grief, that grieving process and everything uh, really started out uh, me wanting to do that. And so I, I wrote a post, I, I came up with a name and, and shared it. And then it was uh, maybe six months later or so, we, we um, got this that, you know, we were expecting again and, and all that good stuff. Um, and so my blog has been a series of either personal stories, uh, family life, uh, the birthing process, traveling with kids, 
all the way to some sponsor stuff with um, Netflix and DreamWorks. We've done some stuff with uh, Best Buy and that sort of thing, product reviews or, or trip reviews and things like that. And it's been a lot of fun being able to have new experiences that we wouldn't have had before. Uh, just recently, we saw some plays in Chicago at the Shakespeare Theater, you know, and then talked about that online. Um, the Blue Man Group, if you're ever in Chicago, you should really check them out. Same thing, you know, they'll offer tickets sometimes in exchange for reviews and uh, a nice date night out, and it, it works out really well for us. I love the Blue Men. I actually saw the Blue Men uh, tour uh, when they came to my home city of Vancouver, BC, Canada, and uh, nice. I, I, I love, I love uh, just the energy and the, the craziness, the zaniness of what they do. And yeah, of course, yeah. as a blogger, it's cool because you get to do a trade where you get the tickets or the the product, the service, and you get to obviously uh, go there or uh, get the product for free. So it's a cool little trade. Yeah, it works out really well for us, and we've we've made some some really great connections and friends through the whole process of doing it too. Yeah, and you uh, in that unique story angle of how you started is very powerful. You know, like uh, like you said, there's not many dads who are writing about miscarriage, and of course, we all need to process those things, right? Those uh, the good things, also the the not so good, difficult, challenging things. So yeah, good on you for being a voice to the fellow dads. Thank you. So besides uh, Daddy's Grounded, you got a couple other businesses. Um, tell us about them. Uh, when did you start them and uh, how have they been going so far? Yeah, so about uh, three years ago or so, I got my first 360 camera and thought, well, you know, uh, this is really neat and had a lot of fun taking photos with family or going to beer festivals or whatnot. Uh, but I wanted to try and make it worthwhile. You know, I wanted to make some money doing it. And I found out through Google Maps, they've got a whole program where you can uh, jump through some hoops and become qualified to be able to take photos and have them listed on Google Maps. So I went through that process and started a little business called Cheap360Tours.com. So anytime I travel, I try and hit some places up, but also anywhere in the Chicago area, I go to local small businesses and take photos, do little virtual tours at dentist offices or vet clinics or local breweries and uh, put them on Google Maps. So when people search the location, they can look around and see, you know, inside what the location looks like without having to visit it right away. Um, and it helps with search rankings, but it also helps with wanting people to be able to visit a place because, oh, that looks really great. And, uh, uh, you know, I make a little money each time I do it and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, those uh, 360 uh, cameras and tours, they're phenomenal. Uh, because you can literally see yourself, like if you're going to a hotel, you can see yourself right. going to the lobby, the room, you can pan it up and down. And uh, it's amazing, uh, the technology there. So uh, in terms of like, how did you actually become certified? Like, what was the process? You said there the, a little bit of hoops that you had to cross and line. Yeah, so uh, now it was a little while ago, so they may have changed. But basically, uh, you have, you can just if you're not verified already, you can take photos and submit them to be listed on Google Maps. Um, and you have to have so many be approved because there's certain rules, you know, you, if you're in a public space, it's usually best to blur out faces and uh, make sure there's nothing inappropriate in the background or that sort of thing. Uh, the quality of the photo has to be good enough to be on the map. It can't be blurry, uh, can't be out of focus. Uh, too much light in one area overexposed that sort of thing so at the time at least and I have to look at the the requirements now but it was 50 photos that had to be approved um, and then you had to fill out a little form and kind of say why you wanted to do it what your contact information was and 
that took, I think another couple of weeks after that for them to approve me. And then I had to fill out one more form to make sure I was listed on the verified Google photographers list. There's a, there's a whole website that lists it. If you're in California, say San Diego, and you want to look for a local Google photographer, you can just hop on their website and say, Oh, well, who's in San Diego and then contact the photographers individually. So they all make their own pricing and that sort of thing. Um, but getting verified gets you listed on Google and gets you a little map icon then that you can post these things. So when you want to attach it to a listing, you can do that and either have your photographer image there or you can transfer it to the local small business if they're going to manage it and take it from there. Awesome. Uh, so when you actually go to a business, uh, like a dentist's office, doctor's office, uh, play school, daycare, whatever yeah. you go to, uh, what is the process? Uh, tell us about how long it takes, uh, what's the process like, and then the final results. Sure. So, uh, you know, the pitching is the same pretty much wherever you go. Once they say yes, uh, the actual physical process is showing up. And the most difficult part, especially for the 360 tours, like any photographer would know, if you're shooting a location, you have to go in and hopefully it's photo ready, right? And I've been to locations sometimes where they're not photo ready. So you have to go in and either wait while they get everything ready and clean something up or we rearrange things. Um, or if it takes too long, you know, it, I either come back, reschedule, or I bill them for an extra hour or two, however long it takes to clean things up. <clears throat> Ideally, though, if it's photo ready, we go in uh, and take some photos. I haven't had a tour yet take me over. Most of them usually take about an hour to go through. Uh, just take a couple test shots, make sure the exposure's right, the lighting's right, that sort of thing. I show a few of the first shots to whoever the representative is for the local organization. Sometimes it's the owner if it's a small place. Sometimes it's like the site manager if it's a condo association or something like that just to make sure they're happy with the type of image I'm getting, the location, that sort of thing. Uh, then I take it home, usually in the next day or two, um, go through with Photoshop, kind of clean it up, color correct it a little bit, uh, make the image pop a little more, you know. Um, I use Adobe, the Creative Suite in Photoshop has some really great 360 photography editing stuff now that it didn't a couple years ago. Uh, export that stuff, uh, make sure the client sees what I've got and they're happy with it. Uh, make sure the payment's taken care of and then it gets posted on uh, Google Maps and usually they approve it within an hour or so. Sometimes it takes up to a week depending on how many photos they have to go through and that sort of thing. But yeah, from start to finish, once they say yes to it being officially on Google Maps can be anywhere from three days to eight or nine days. Cool, cool. Yeah, definitely encourage people to take you up on that offer. Uh, the last area that you're super passionate about is this whole area of breweries and having a good yeah. craft beer. So how did you get into that? Like, tell us about the origin story there. So the nonprofit I worked at the church the last 12 years, uh, the first 10 years or so I worked there, uh, my coworker, who was the youth pastor and then an associate minister, uh, was a big beer guy. He loves craft beer and that sort of <laughs> thing. And I jokingly blame my love of craft beer, both on him and my wife. Cause my wife was like, well, you know, it's a lot easier to make friends if you drink beer. So, you know, you and Jerry should go hang out and, and, you know, you should learn to like beer. So obviously I did and found there's a lot of different styles, a lot of different tastes. 
and even breweries, you can go to everything from these small mom and pop places to these huge industrial corporate places. And both my friend, uh, Jeremy and I, we travel a lot. He does speaking engagements. My wife's a flight attendant, like we said. So, uh, you know, she goes places, I go places. And up till a couple years ago, we really were frustrated with the options out there as far as finding local places to drink, going to not just the local bars because they're everywhere, but finding craft beer at the source, right? Drinking locally, going to the brewery, the place that it's made because arguably most beer is best when it's fresh. Um, There's certain styles that are better when they're aged, but even then a lot of times at the location they're aged is where it's best to drink it. So instead of trying to be a competition to local guilds and that sort of thing, because we love the local craft beer guilds. Uh, If you're not a member, a lot of times you're not listed in the directory. So we decided to partner with a few, or we're working on partnering with more, uh, and get all of these breweries listed in the U.S., all 50 states. And then we've just recently started listing Canada as well. So when we go somewhere, or arguably for myself, when my wife goes to Toronto, I can look up on my little directory and go, hey, babe, this is the hotel. And (laughs) you could walk like three blocks and pick me up something from this place, you know, like if you have time. And she's usually really, uh, you know, happy about stopping by and grabbing me something, um, you know, at a local place, especially if it's somewhere I haven't been in a long time and she goes there, you know, a few times a year, it works out really well. So yeah, we love it. We've got about 800 users a month so far. So it's still a fairly small site, but for a side project, we're, we're pretty happy with it right now. Awesome, man. I'd love for you to educate our audience here. I personally am not a huge uh, craft beer uh, person or just a beer person generally. And a lot of people are, uh, especially travelers. That's one of the reasons they travel. They want to try sure. the local beer in whatever country they're in. And of course, the local craft beer. So why don't you do us a little education on uh, what is craft beer? How do What makes a good craft beer? And uh, where do you find the best one so far? So that's a wide open question. Um, honestly, if my co-founder Jeremy was here, he would be uh, more prepared to do that. The, out of the duo for our site, I'm more the tech guy and he's more the beer guy. Um, he definitely understands a lot more of the, the science behind it because it's a very, you know, it's a very science heavy thing. When you're brewing beer, you have to learn about temperatures and you have to make sure right. timing's right and all that stuff. Um, so the, as far as the industry goes, um, there's a certain level that the Brewers Association in the United States lists. Uh, it's the number, it's a production number of barrels every year that makes something craft or macro. Basically macro is like your Budweiser or Miller Coors, that sort of thing, um, which is, you know, the most popular beer out there, but it's not craft. Uh, I won't say anything about the quality because that's up to you know, individual beer drinkers, obviously. But uh, as far as craft beer goes, you can have places that are called nano breweries that only make five to 10 gallons of beer a week. And they're really just kind of a home brewer. They've got a license so they can sell. And sometimes these small places are open like just on a Tuesday night from four to eight, super small. But really, you know, as a beer nerd, it's fun to go, hey, this place in Indiana is some you know, space themed place. You can only go to two nights a week for four hours a piece. Like it's interesting to try. And then other places, a lot of them are like brew pubs where they have a restaurant and then they also uh, brew beer in the back. Uh, as far as 
quality goes, it's a pretty individual thing, I think. Um, but there are industry awards. Uh, the Great American Beer Festival every year gives out awards for the best beers in different categories. Um, FOBAB, which is the Festival of Barrel-Aged Beers that happens every November in Chicago, something I go to religiously for the last, I think, five or six years now. Um, I always go, I volunteer beforehand for setup so I can drink for free. And then the next day I come back and help clean up uh, after they've had a couple more sessions and stuff. Um, <laughs> but they also do awards. And a lot of times people go after you know, award-winning beers. Um, but there's everything from dark, strong, earthy beers, if you like coffee, that sort of thing, to really light lagers, if you like just something nice to sip on, you know, on a summer day after you mowed the lawn. I hope that answers your question. I was just kind of rambling. <laughs> no, no, that, that, this is good. This is good. So you've traveled a lot, Canada, the U.S. You've got your wife to bring back beers. So what are your favorites, just per, on a personal level? Well, I, as far as like Chicago goes, I really like Buckle Down uh, Brewing in, uh, they're near, oh God, they're by uh, Brookfield Zoo, if you ever go there. Um, they've got some really great barrel-aged stuff. Um, Salamoth out in Naperville, same thing. They've got some nice uh, barrel-aged things. Uh, again, that's kind of a personal thing. I love I love my bourbon, so it's nice to have beer and bourbon barrels, I think. Uh, that's really nice. But then, um, you know, nationally, th there's a lot of great places. Stone, a lot of people know they're getting really big. Um, th those are three of my favorites off the top of my head. If everyone knows the area, too, they probably know Three Floyds out in Indiana. Uh, we get that here in Chicago, and they've started to distribute places as well. But, yeah, th there's a bunch. So I'm impressed. I'm impressed by the fact that you're a dad of two kids, a five and a one-year-old, and your wife's flying around the world, and you got to hang out with the kids, and you're running all these businesses. <laughs> you're doing your blog, you got your uh, 360 tours, and then you got your brewery uh, finder as well. So the question is how? How are you able to juggle, balance, and do all these things without going crazy, without dropping your kids or dropping one of the businesses? <laughs> Tell us about your work-life balance. Uh, well... That's a good question. I think it goes in seasons. Uh, and I'm still kind of figuring out this most recent season because I, I did spend 12 years working at a church. And so if you're involved in a church or any kind of religious organization, you know that those often operate on a cyclical calendar year. And in the spring, there's also, there's usually something that happens in the summer. There's usually something that happens. Same thing in, in the winter time, there's always holidays and things that, that get celebrated. Um, and so I figured out after doing that for 12 years, kind of how my rhythm would work in free time, that sort of thing. Uh, I recently resigned from that job a couple weeks ago. So I'm still figuring out what it's like to, to do all these things and not have a full-time job, which is nice. Um, I'm getting more sleep <laughs> for sure. Uh, but it all it really has to do with priorities, right? So my family's first, like I make sure I do what I can to make sure my family's taken care of. My wife does an awesome job uh, at the day job, taking care of a lot of the bills and that sort of thing. And so um, the things I do make some money, but not as much as she does. Uh, and I'm fine with that. You know, it, it works for us. And just making sure, number one, the kids are taken care of. Number two, if I have deadlines uh, that I try and stick to those with uh, weekly emails or job listings or um, make sure I'm, I'm posting on my dad blog. There have been spells where I don't post on it for a month or so and I feel terrible and then you know I kind of catch back up and and get my my reader reach going again that sort of thing um 
but yeah, it's all a day-to-day thing. I'm I'm very caffeinated. I'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so last question, and I ask this to all my guests: What is the vision for your future? You got your dad blowing, uh, dad blogging. You got your couple of businesses. Got the couple of kids traveling quite extensively. You got the nonprofit as well. Yep. What is the vision for your future? Tell us a little bit about what's to come in 2019 and beyond. I think kind of uh, a lot of the same, although uh, I'd like with having some more of that free time, I'm refocusing a lot of my efforts. And so probably the biggest thing that will change is I'm I'm looking at uh, relaunching my podcast that I, I had last year for about, I don't know, eight weeks or so. I did one a week, a lot of fun. Um, I'm setting that up as a seasonal thing so I can do, you know, season two for another six or eight episodes and then kind of take a break and and see how that goes. Uh, But I've also played around a lot with uh, the idea of a a video blog. Um, I think that would be something that I'd have a lot of fun doing. I did it probably 15 years ago for a couple of years and had a lot of fun. Technology was very different then trying to video blog from India or the Netherlands or that sort of thing. Uh, so I, I'm really looking forward to getting back into that. Sounds exciting. Sounds exciting. I'll have the links below when you do launch. Now that you made it public, you got to have the launch <laughs> for, yes, the, for right. the podcast and the YouTube channel. Yes. Uh, so in conclusion, Joel, uh, you have a few different websites and a lot of ways that people can connect. What are they? Yep. Uh, well, the easiest one is if you go to daddiesgrounded.com, D-A-D-D-Y-S-G-R-O-U-N-D-E-D.com. Um, it's a play on words with my wife being a flight attendant. She's often off with the kids and I'm at home, you know, grounded. Yes, with, yes. With double, double in, in, in. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and then you can also go to brewdirectory.org and uh, check out the brew directory. It's a work in progress. So you see anything that needs updated or adding, uh, send us a note, let us know. Um, and then if you go to Joel, J-O-E-L dot Gratzik, G-R-A-T-C-Y-K dot com, we'll put it in there as well. That's my personal site. It'll list uh, all these other links to my projects and that sort of thing. Awesome. And I love that whole double meaning of double, uh, daddy's grounded. I didn't even <laughs> think of that until you just said it literally right? <laughs> seconds ago. So thank you for enlightening us and sharing all of your insights into business travel and family with our audience here today, Joel. Uh, Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you again. Have a good one. You as well. And thanks everyone for tuning into this very educationally inspiring episode with our friend here, Joel, who's a dad of two, a dad blogger, and of course, a serial entrepreneur as well. Uh, If you have further questions or if you want to hire Joel for some uh, 360 video work, uh, 360 photography, or, uh, you know, if you have questions about craft brewery, and if you want to list some uh, craft beer and breweries on his site, uh, definitely do that as well. I'll have all those links below to make it easy for you guys, either on YouTube, if you're listening and watching this, they'll be right in the YouTube description, or if you're listening on the show notes. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode, and we'll catch up with you in the next one. Happy travels. <laughs>